Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, But First Pivot. I'm Danny, registered dietitian, certified sports dietitian, and CEO of Pivot Nutrition Coaching. I'm here to share my all foods fit approach and real life client success stories to inspire you to pivot away from all the fad diet nonsense and confusion. My goal is to simplify nutrition so you can enjoy foods you love like donuts and pizza and still achieve your health, performance, and body composition goals. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of my new podcast, But First Pivot. Today, I am here with my friend and three-time Olympian gold medalist, Jocelyn Lamoureux-Davidson. Thanks for having me, Danielle. So excited to have you. And September has been a super exciting month for you (laughs) for so many reasons. Baby number three is coming any minute now. Literally any minute. (laughs) Hopefully not in the next 20 minutes. Uh, But also congrats on being inducted into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. Thank you. It was pretty exciting news Monique and I got. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. We're in the 50th class, I guess. So that's kind of exciting to be in the in the anniversary class. Yeah, definitely. And you two are females eight and nine, I believe. Yes, eight and nine. Yep. Top 10. Top 10. And we're going together. Just kind of fitting for how everything else has gone for us. (laughs) Yeah, super exciting. And, you know, that's just, you know, one of your many accolades. You and Mo are so deserving of this and all of your accomplishments. Uh, And it's been so fun to see these accomplishments over the last few years because we've known each other uh, for a while. But for me, I think the best part was seeing the background, right? Mm -hmm. Most people don't get to see what goes on in the background, the little things. And I think that's the coolest part because people see the gold medals and the Stanley Cups and, you know, like all these big moments. But as your friend and, you know, we work together and we train in the same gym, I got to see all the little things in the background. And I think that's it's almost sad that people don't get to see those little things. Yeah, I think, you know, when we talk about our experience in our athletic careers, we compare it to like an iceberg and especially the Olympics when it's just once every four years. Everyone, you know, 99% of people who um, who have seen us play, they they just see the gold medal game. They see, you know, wins and losses in those in those big games. But it's very few people that get to see the day in and day out. And you're one of those people, um, whether that was, you know, in training, um, the, at, as athletes, but then also like you would literally cheer us on, on our hard conditioning days and you would come out with your pom pom and Monique and I would always laugh, but you're, you're one of the very few people who saw what, what went into our day to day lives. Yeah. And it's, it's really more than people think, you know, it's the nitty gritty it's, you know, and there's that saying where, You know, like the work happens like it's when nobody's watching. Right. It's the work that you put in when nobody's watching. Um, So, yeah, super fun to be able to to be a part of those little moments. I still remember going to the airport. You guys were flying out of Grand Forks at 5 a.m. one day. And I'm like, I I decided that you guys needed snacks. And (laughs) I decided, well, no, I'm not going to bring them to them the night before they leave. No, I'm going to show up at 4 a.m. and bring these homemade energy bars. Yeah, we literally were getting out of the car and Brent and Anthony are dropping us off. And Monique goes, is that Dan? Yell. She literally, you beat us to the airport. So I, yeah. I had to make sure that I was there on time. Yep. And because, the snacks were that you can never have too many snacks. Right. Right. Especially as an elite athlete. Uh, now, 
if someone asked you when you and I first met, what would you say? Well, we did play against each other, but I guess I wouldn't consider us meeting then, but it would be when you came and started working in Grand Forks, which would be 2015. 2015. Yeah. Officially 2015. We started working together. You were a trainer. I was a performance dietitian. But unofficially, I don't think many people know, is that Jocelyn and I got to play against each other. Well, more fun for her, less fun (laughs) for me. She played for UND women's hockey. I played for the University of Vermont. And that was my first time ever in Grand Forks in 2011. Yeah, that... What, did we play just the one series we played against each maybe, other? Maybe two. I think you guys came to the gut yeah, we did. in Burlington. Yep. Um, love the gut. Old school barn. <laughs> but the rink. Ralph, that was a next level moment for me. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe college athletes play in this rink, which <laughs> is nicer than most NHL rinks I've ever been to. I still remember the score of the first game. You probably don't because you probably... You know, beat a lot of people pretty badly. But game one, nine zero, good times. Yeah. You guys had, I think, five power play goals. Every time these girls had a power play, it was game over. <laughs> the puck was in the net. It wasn't even fair. And when you watch Team USA or Team Canada or, Lee, you know, women's Olympic hockey on TV, you're like, yeah, like the, these girls are fast. These these girls are strong. But when it's in real life, <laughs> it's completely different. These girls are next level. And I would say it was an experience <laughs> to be able to uh, play against Monique and Jocelyn. Uh, but the cool thing about playing against uh, UND in Grand Forks is that I really realized that it was such a big hockey community. And I never thought I'd be back in Grand Forks, you know. Um, <laughs> Who <would have> thought? <laughs> yeah, I remember going to a men's game, and when they scored, the fireworks went off. And I was like, oh, my gosh, they have fireworks. This is so great. And it's just funny how life works. And when I passed my dietitian exam almost seven years ago today, it was just last week, I was applying for jobs. And there were three openings for a performance dietitian. It was Grand Forks, North Dakota. There was one in Texas. One in California. And I looked at those locations and I said, North Dakota, that's the one. You're the only one who probably (laughs) did that. (laughs) My friends back home were kind of upset because they wanted California. Yeah, they they were like, we would have visited you in California. They still haven't visited me in North Dakota. Um, But I I seriously looked at and I said, North Dakota, that's the one. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I'm Canadian and... It's a hockey community. How am I going to fit in in California or Texas with my hockey skates and that, my hockey stick? That's very true. That's very true. Because I just walked into a rink when I first got here and I was just like, hey, there's some friends. Yep. And that's how it happened. And, you know, life life has a funny way of surprising us. And that's why I know you and Monique really, really preach like work hard and be nice to people. You know, that being kind, because you never know, even though like we weren't going to be nice to each other on the ice, but you never know who is going to end up in your life. And that's kind of what happened to us. We were opponents. And I was like, man, these girls are something else. You know, they're, <laughs> they're probably so- not the nicest way to. <laughs> no, they, they weren't very nice on the ice. No, definitely um, not. <laughs> but it's funny how, you know, we ended up, you know, becoming friends and working together and, you know, just me hosting your baby shower and yeah, all and those ju- things. And I think what's cool is that you ended up being like a key piece to the puzzle at the back end of our career as far as 
nutrition goes, but like what goes into nutrition and how that can help an athlete perform at their highest level. Like when you're searching for that, like 1% better nutrition is a huge component of that. And Monique and I for sure would not have been able to dial it in like we did if we weren't working with you. Yeah. And that's what I want to talk about next. So nutrition going in and preparing for the 2018 Olympics. So as a dietitian, I often preach and many dietitians preach 80-20, right? Where you nourish your body with healthy fuel foods at least 80% of the time. And then 20% of the time we sprinkle in some fun foods. But that's not for everybody. Right. When you're an elite athlete, when you're a professional athlete, 80-20 is not good enough. It's good enough for most people. But pro athletes, we need to step it up a notch. So what would you say for you? I would say, I think to be fair, probably like 95.5 or even like 97.3. I think going into the last two summers and I enjoy a glass of red wine. Um, that's my drink of choice if we're going out for a nice dinner or something. And those last two summers and my husband, and I go to the lake I would have one glass of wine a week and it would be on Fridays or I, it's Friday or Saturday. It didn't matter. Um, and that was just a decision I made to just, I want to feel the best I could and be ready to go for Monday training. But yeah, I would say at least 95, five. And that's just, I mean, it's just, those are the decisions you make when you're putting in that much time. Right. You have to, you have to sacrifice certain things and you know, it, it's temporary, right? Mm-hmm. The, it's not forever, but it's it's what you need to do to perform at the next level. Yeah, absolutely. And I do love a good like treat every now and then or like every other day. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's for sure something like you don't really look at it as a sacrifice when you're going through it. It's just the decisions you make to try to be the best you can be. And you know that that decision day after day is going to make a big difference in the long run. Exactly. It's the little things that add up every single day. Yep. Because if we're, you know, just, you know, thinking like three years ahead, that's very far away. So we just have to wake up every day and put in the work. And you made those choices because you wanted to. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's like, I love following your social media and like the journey that a lot of your clients have been on as far as it's not a quick fix. And that's just how athletics is. And it's if you want to be elite at whatever it is you do, or you have goals that you want to accomplish, it's not going to happen overnight. And so when I see the the before and after photos of clients or, um, you know, I guess sometimes get to see clients that come into the gym after you've worked with them um, now and to see the transformation is, you know, it's not a secret sauce. It's, it's, creating habits that you're doing day after day. And that's just like being an elite athlete. There's no magic pill. Exactly. (laughs) Now, what would you say was your go-to pregame meal or snack before big games as an athlete? So I would say the last two years, Monique and I are so... Or the last, I should say the Olympic year. I'll I'll stay with the Olympic year in 2018. Our game times we knew at in Pyeongchang were going to be like anywhere between noon and nine o'clock at night. So if you have a noon game, eating like chicken and vegetables at if you're noon, like eight o'clock in the morning, is not very appetizing. So Monique and I. Very early in that season, so months before the Olympics, started making protein pancakes. 
and that became our pregame meal. And so it didn't really matter what the team dietitian had prepared for or had on the menu for team meals. We just knew that at the Olympics, we were going to be having very different game times throughout the tournament. And so we just kind of made a decision to make that our pregame meal and it was appetizing and we actually enjoyed it. I mean, we didn't have to really deal with potential not enjoyable food when we were in Korea. So that that was our, it was banana, protein, chocolate chip pancakes. It sounds awesome. And I was lucky enough to have these pancakes when you returned as a celebratory meal. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty dense. And they're, you have to cook on low or you'll burn them. But, uh, they're super heavy. Yeah, they're very, very heavy, but it, it did the trick for sure. Yeah, you had the carbs in there, a little bit of protein to help you feel satisfied. Yeah, I think we just, when you go through an Olympic experience and you're going to be in another country, you just don't really want to risk the potential of like having a meal that you're just not going to like. And so we just were like, let's just eliminate that off the table of being a potential issue on game day. And so that's what we did. You make a good point. And that's that's for any athletes. We never really want to try a new food before a big competition. Yeah. We always say practice before you play. And, you know, for hockey players, it's like you would never wear brand new skates before a game. Right. You have to break them in. You have to try it. And then you're like, okay, like this feels good or my body responded well to this. This is what we're going to go with. Yeah, exactly. And especially like everyone will always ask when we get would or would ask when we get back from the, oh, did you like the food? And it was like, no, we weren't. We weren't trying the Korean barbecue in Korea when we were there, like not going to risk it. Reminds me of that bridesmaid episode where they go to that Brazil restaurant. Yeah, no, we weren't doing that (laughs) at all. Um, now that was kind of the pregame meal. Did you have a a routine for recovery? Did you guys jump in ice baths or foam roll? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess so. Our full pregame routine was we'd have the pancake. It would be about like four hours before game time, and then get to the rink. I'd always have a peanut butter banana uh, snack, and then I would basically just have like little gummy snacks, like Cliff. Uh, I forget what they're called. Cliff bar. Cliff chews. Yes, like cliff bar chews um, between periods. And so that was kind of the pregame, in game routine. And then post game, we always had protein shakes that our dietitian would make. So we'd get two, probably two cups of those. And then you just get you get to the village or the cafeteria and you just try and eat whatever it is they're serving, um, which sometimes is pretty could be skeptical um, when you're in different countries but better, better options in Vancouver right yeah well Vancouver had at least you're in Vancouver it was like you know you're in Canada so you're used to everything um so you just try and eat like we'd have I would load up on the post game shakes just to be safe because you just never know what you're gonna get for a post game mm-hmm. meal yeah but making sure you had carbs protein fluids yeah absolutely Now, you and Monique put in the work on and off the ice since you were teenagers. Uh, Nutrition, training, stick handling, all those things. Is there something that you wish you knew back then that you know now? I think a big thing that I've noticed, especially like as I got older as an athlete, was recognizing that other elite athletes, what didn't matter what sport, they always talked about like a huge transition in their meal prepping and their how they fuel their body. And, you know, it's different when you're in high school and college. And um, I think as you get older, you got to figure out what are the little things I can do to continue c- 
to compete at an elite level. And nutrition is something that seems to be something that all athletes dial in at some point. Um, and so Monique and I went to a boarding school, Shattuck St. Mary's. And I think one thing, if, if you're, especially as a 15 year old, you're going into like a cafeteria situation. So I don't know if Monique and I had the freshman 15, our freshman year of high school, but we definitely, it was learning how to properly fuel yourself in a cafeteria situation, 15 years old for every meal that you're eating. Um, so I think more education at a younger age, but there's also a healthy balance of that. I think, uh, when you're dealing with younger athletes. And so when I look back, I think that probably could have been helpful for Monique and I, but we also just kind of learned the hard way, <laughs> put on a little extra weight. And then I did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Freshman year, Vermont, you know, I, I was told that chocolate milk is good for athletes and Vermont has amazing dairy. I was drinking so much chocolate milk out of the fountain chocolate milk yeah. in the dining halls and didn't realize, you know, like back then we didn't look at calories and you know we didn't track our macros so i was like yeah i'm an athlete chocolate milk is for athletes so i was crushing chocolate milk i had the freshman 15 or 20 freshman year and that Choc- chocolate milk every meal i'll do that <laughs> yeah you know that education you know and i ended up becoming you know a dietetics major but that wasn't for a few years because I started biology. And so this information, you know, that that I teach athletes now, this would have been very helpful in high school. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think. And when you ask that, like Monique and I for sure could have been doing different things as far as training and in the weight room. And there's for sure things we should not have been doing and things we should have been doing. Um, but from like an overall standpoint, I think that was a component that and I, it, I think to a degree, it's kind of normal that it doesn't get introduced till later, but as something that probably would have benefited us a little bit earlier in our career. Definitely. And I, I'm glad to see that nowadays kids are getting that education a little bit younger, as young as eight years old at hockey camps. Absolutely. And Danielle comes and te- does a bunch of nutrition stuff for our girls hockey camp that we do. And a lot of times the parents are very much more engaged than the kids, but it's such a big thing I think not it's not just about performing it's also about just feeling good everyday life and you know you wake up you know are you are you skipping breakfast and not eating to lunch and we have athletes that show up and they work out and they haven't eaten and then they don't eat for you know three four hours and they've already trained that day and it's like they're for sure not feeling as good as they could if they just were fueling themselves correctly and so yeah I think at a young age if you can expose them to the right things it's just going to help them just be more healthy people Mm -hmm, definitely now for young female athletes that have dreams of you know playing you know college hockey or for team USA or just at an elite at level what would be your best piece of advice I think my biggest piece of advice is greatness or you know accomplishing a big dream it doesn't happen overnight and the way you improve and make strides towards a goal is showing up every single day and that's what we coach at the gym it's just it's it's not about um you know showing up the last you know tournament of the season and playing great it's showing up at the end of the season, starting your training in the off season in the summer, if we're talking hockey and you're showing up every single day. And that's sometimes the hardest part for people is just getting in the door. Um, and the athletes, once they, 
I think start to see the benefits, then it's like, okay, now, now we're getting in now showing up. It's not the hardest part. Now it's, I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to warm up the best I can. I'm going to do the agility work the best I can. I'm going to condition as hard as I can. Um, and doing that day in and day out, it's not just about being elite, but it's also just about, you know, improving as a person and that's going to pay off whatever it is that they pursue in life. Mm -hmm. Showing up even on days you don't feel like it. Oh yeah, gotta show. <laughs> yeah, because you know you you didn't always want to you know <laughs> kick your own butt in the gym. No, absolutely not. I think that's that's also no one wants to get on the line and do conditioning and feel like they're gonna puke every. Like no one, no one like loves it. Like you love it after and you like love the grind of it. Some people do. Monique and I did, but it's also like you just you show up for your teammates, and so that that's one thing Monique and I always had was an accountability partner. Whether that was you know training on ice, extra nutrition like we really challenged each other to figure out what it was that helped each of us so like i know danielle you helped monique she what would we call it a hard, hard conditioning induced vomiting basically. it was called exercise induced vomiting which yeah. would always happen after the 300 shuttles I yeah believe. basically you give monique a hard conditioning day and she's pretty much guaranteed to throw up because that's not i mean she a pushes herself to that limit, but also is a little just more prone to throwing up. <laughs> um, and so I remember Monique trying whatever you know the schedule it is that you had put together. Oh yeah, for we wrote her. that. We wrote that game plan on a scrap piece of paper. Yeah, and when Monique didn't run, you know, give me the one finger. Hold on, I'm going to be sick afterwards. It was like a big day for her, and to be able to make changes like that, like that's an elite athlete, like you're, you're trying to do everything you can to be the best you can. And for Monique, if she's not feeling like she has to throw up at the end, that means, okay, maybe she's got one more in the tank then. Um, and so that's, that's something that, you know, Monique and I, whether it was nutrition or sleep or making sure we're doing what we need to do, we always had each other for, for accountability. Yeah. Accountability is huge. Most, most people know what to do. You can always learn from the experts. There's always something to learn. But accountability connects the knowing to the doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And That's a very, very concise way to put it. And there's nothing wrong with needing accountability. No, and I think it makes it easier to get through the harder, more difficult times, whether that's, you know, hard workout or is just, you know, you need an extra motivation. It's it sometimes I think is easier to let ourselves down than to let someone else down or to, you know, we don't show up for ourselves, but if we knew someone else was going to be there, we'd show up for them. Um, and so I think, you know, whether you're going through a transition in life, whether that's you're trying to create healthier habits in the, in the kitchen or in the weight room or in life, having an accountability piece, I think just makes it easier to walk through that journey. Definitely. And, and over time, once you have that accountability, then you don't need it anymore because you've created a habit. And that's that's really the goal is that it's, it becomes so habitual that you you don't need as much accountability. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to convince yourself to put your shoes on. Yeah, you just know that that's I, this is what I need to do if I want to feel the best I can and be the healthiest I can. Exactly. Now let's fast forward to January 2019. <laughs> you became a mom yep. to Nelson. He has the best pictures, the best smile. <laughs> uh, what was that transition like from being a professional athlete to being a parent? 
I mean, it's the best and hardest thing you do in life, I think, as a mother. And it was, I think, everything I expected and more. I think I had realistic expectations as far as um, what it would be like as far as having a newborn. It also helped that Monique had her newborn six weeks before me. Um, So I pretty much was very comfortable with the newborn by the time Nelson was born. Um, But I would say the transition from you know, playing, having a baby and then trying to get back on the national team. It was, and I was nursing. Um, it was more harder than I thought. Maybe I'm not sure. I don't, it's harder to just be more focused on yourself when it's just you and you're trying to be the best you can be. It's, you know, there's not, you know, it's pretty, it's a pretty selfishly driven, um, day to day, life I would say um because you're just you're focused on what you need to do and then you add a baby into it and it's just different so trying to figure out how I was going to eat keep my nursing supply up all that was just that was a challenge for sure yeah definitely I remember you reached out because you started training again you know for for your comeback um Mm -hmm. and you know, your your supply was low and I remember you didn't feel good. And the answer was, hey, we need way more calories and we need way more healthy fats. Yeah, way more. I remember like I, I was kind of desperate, didn't <clears throat> didn't want to stop nursing yet. And um, basically just went to your office and was like, what what can I do? Is there something I can do? And um, but I think as a new mom, whether, it, you know, you're training, you know, I was training to get back and as my training uh, increase and the volume increase, my supply just kept kind of dropping. And so, uh, working, you know, putting something together with you was very helpful, but I think as a new mom, it's also just difficult in general to figure out when am I going to eat a healthy meal, a healthy snack, and how do I have time to prep? And then if you have multiple kids, it's even harder. Um, just figuring out that balance on how to prioritize some of your needs is, I think it, very, very common challenge that a lot of women face. Mm-hmm. And that's something I wanted to touch on a little bit more. So obviously, as, as an athlete, especially a pro athlete, your priority every single day was taking care of your body so you could perform at your best. Uh, but now you're a mom of two, baby number three on the way. <laughs> we're, we're still doing good. Yep. Um, how do you how do you balance being a mom of multiple kids? But I still see you get your workouts in and I still see you nourishing your body. How do you do it? Or do you have some advice for busy moms? Because everybody is trying to figure this out. Yeah, I think from a from a workout standpoint, that's always been a really easy thing for me to get in. And so so the last cut. So I'm 38 weeks pregnant right now. I've been working out later in the day because I don't sleep. Normally, I wake up at 4.30 and try to get 45 minutes to 60 minutes in of working out. And that's that's easy for me. I'm a morning person. Waking up that early, it does not... I would rather do that than wait till the end of the day. So, But that's not for everyone. Um, and so the working out portion has always been easy. I think trying to figure out as of, you know, we've added more kids to our family is the nutrition aspect. And I think the biggest thing that's been helpful and I've watched or listened to different podcasts of, you know, pediatric nutritionists and different pediatricians is feeding the kids what, what you eat. So yeah, Nelson probably would like chicken fingers and pizza and fries most of the time for dinner, but making sure that that's not just what we're feeding him. Cause that's what he would for sure eat. If we put that option in front of him. it's, 
feeding him what I would feed myself because that's healthy and we want him to be healthy and um, just having healthier snacks. So it's so easy to just get the box of like bagged goldfish and bagged whatever at the store and making sure we have healthy snacks for the kids because most of the time that's what I end up snacking on is what the kids snack on because I haven't eaten a full lunch or I'm you know rushing and I if if I have their healthy stuff then that's kind of my default and so that's been very I would say helpful because after Hazel Ann I was like oh my gosh I need to get this together um and then just prepping as much as I can it's hard but if I can prep it just makes it so much easier mm-hmm. yeah poor planning leads to poor choices yeah. so we try to plan as best we can obviously it's a different you know situation you know with kids versus without uh but it sounds like you're 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 figuring it out and you're doing, you know, the best you can to nourish yourself, but also, you know, be realistic. Right. Like, yeah, it's OK to, you know, not be perfect mom, you know. Yeah. Like uh, on Tuesdays, uh, this isn't an ad or anything, but Papa Murphy's has like half off or like ten dollar large pizzas. Thanks, Beth Ann, for letting me know that. And I was like, I do not feel like cooking. I don't I didn't have anything that I could just like put together. So picked up some pizza the other day. And that's that's fine. I, and, you know, you talk about balance in 80 20 and it's you know, that's that's fine as long as that's not happening three, four times a week. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely a balance. And there are days that I'm definitely not prepared and we make decisions like that. And that's, you know, totally fine as long as it's not the default. Right, right. Nutrition is a balancing act, right? It's not always going to be perfect, and that's why we say progress over perfection. Yeah, I oh, I was wearing your sweatshirt the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's, whether it's nutrition or, you know, working out um, and trying to make healthier decisions day to day, like it's sometimes it just doesn't, some days it just, we don't pull it together and that's okay. And I think giving ourselves a little bit more grace when that happens and giving ourselves a little bit more, um, you know, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll do a little extra tomorrow or, you know what, maybe I did need a a day off to reset and that's totally fine. Definitely. Uh, so the last thing I want to talk about is, you know, pivoting away from certain things. So obviously the podcast is called, but first pivot, but first pivot. Uh, but for you and Monique to be, you know, as successful as you are, like all the world championships and, you know, you went to three Olympics. What do you think that you had to pivot away from in order to be so successful? I think that's a really good question. Um, I think the biggest thing for Monique and I, when I think about like how we grew up with four older brothers, we played a lot of boys sports growing up, um, would be, you know, pivoting away from like the negative talk or like, you know, we played against a ton of boys growing up, so they didn't always have the nicest things to say, or sometimes parents didn't have the nicest things to say, whether it was parents of our teammates or parents of opponents. Um, And I think that really shaped the viewpoint and our perspective on whose opinions matter and what you know, are you going to let all that noise in or are you going to let that self like that negative self-talk impact, you know, your feelings or your mood that day? Um, and I think social media also is obviously a huge component in our day to day lives now. And, 
you know, at what point do you decide your consumption is healthy or is becoming unhealthy, whether that's from like a body image, self-image, self-confidence standpoint, or it's comments that maybe potentially are negative towards you. And I think because of how we grew up, it really shaped our outlook and our, I would say our narrow focus on this is the goal we wanted to accomplish. This is the goal we want to accomplish. This is the dreams we have. And we've, very much were selective on the opinions that we sought out from people and the people we let in as far as, okay, I value what you bring to the table. I think this is like, like you, for example, we value your, your education, your knowledge, how you've been able to help us so far. Let's, let's make Danielle a piece to the puzzle of like being the best we can be. And so I would say, um, pivoting away from the things that you know just aren't helpful and you shouldn't feel bad about it and you should be selfish with with that type of I think feedback and noise in your life is you know you don't owe it to anyone to you know give their opinion weight in your day-to-day life if it's not helping mm-hmm. this reminds me of one of my one of the, my favorite things that I've ever read is be a racehorse, focus on your own race. Yep. And that's where why racehorses wear blinders. They yep. have no idea what's going on next to them. That's They're right. focusing on their own race. And I think that's the point you're trying to make is, yep. yeah, there was a lot of noise and there was a lot of people, you know, like as a part of the picture, especially as you go into, you know, elite athletics, it's just really staying, you know, not comparing yourself to others and focusing on your own race. What do I need to do today? Yep. Yeah, I think that's exactly you hit the nail on the head. It's and when you're, you know, playing with other teammates, yeah, you're they're part of the team, but you're also trying to make the team. And so having confidence in what you're doing and other teammates might be doing something else from a training standpoint, from a nutrition standpoint, what you know, and that might be working for them, but trusting what we were doing and not letting what someone else was doing, you know, sway our confidence or you know, make us second guess what we were doing. And so, yeah, that's exactly like, don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Don't worry about what someone else's race, like what their race looks like. And everyone's got a different journey and how they get to where they're going to go. And, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's just a huge component in being happy and being confident with the decisions you make for you in your day-to-day life. Yeah. Not even athletics, just focus, focus on you. Yeah, exactly. All right. Anything you want to leave our listeners with before we wrap things up, Joss? I think just following just to, I think, give you a plug, just following like your clients stories on social media. And then I've had because I work in the gym that you train at, a lot of your clients come to um, being able to see the difference that that people make. And it's not just physical. It's also, the confidence that people have when they walk into a gym. I think a gym can be like one of the most intimidating places for people to walk into, especially for women, and to see the difference that you've made in so many people's lives. And your business is like barely a year old, <laughs> right? Just over a year, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a testament to just like how good good you are at what you do. Um, and I feel very fortunate to have worked with you as an athlete because I know it made a difference for me, but also like now as a mom and trying to figure out my day-to-day life and how I'm just going to put dinner on the table and eat a healthy lunch and a healthy dinner for me. Um, Like the education that you just freely share is I think so generous of you, but it's also like so helpful for so many people. And I think that's just super cool. 
Well, I appreciate it. And thanks so much for being on the show. We made it. We made it. Now I can, maybe I'll have my baby in an hour. Who knows? <laughs> maybe. Hopefully. Well, thanks so much for being on, Joss. And maybe we'll, we'll chat, you know, in the future once baby number three is here. For sure. Would love that. Thanks, Danielle. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the channel and share with one friend who would benefit from this message. Need help with your nutrition? Find me on Instagram at DannyVRD or visit our website, pivotnutritioncoaching.com. Thanks for listening.